Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Brett Freeman. Hey everyone. And Jonathan Lee. Hello everybody. Alright, so it's just the three of us this week, and we are going to do a little bit of a different episode. We're going to kind of just do grab bag, where I told these guys that they need to have a topic for me to talk about. So we're going to do like micro topics, I think. Um, but first, we want to talk a little bit about Polish Nationals. So it's like the first kind of like big tournament where after like points and everything uh, that I care about, and... Um, Starvold was the winner, and he ran a Jan Ors Thermal Detonators, Moldy Crow with Wolf Waro, Jake Farrell, and Dutch with Dorsal Turret, Ion Torpedoes, R3 Astromech, and Concussion Bobs. And if there's one list that was going to win Polish Nationals, this is the exact list that would be it. Like, it's funky. You can get Wolf up to six dice with mods. And reinforces, and um, it was very interesting to see. I think this is like a super wholesome list, and I'm glad that it won. It's nice to see a change of pace, um, and not some crazy Jedi or Vader list winning or anything like that. Um, so yeah, for the most part, I, I looking at the results of this that's all posted on List Fortress. I think it's super like. Cool to see all the lists that kind of showed up. We have everything from, uh, you know, Resistance Beef, it looks like, with Jess Pava, Bastion, Finn, Rose, and uh, Red Squadron Expert. We have a two-ship list that is Django Fett and Sunfac. Kind of interested to see how that performed. Uh, maybe, is Sunfac actually playable, or is this just Polish Nationals? Well, it, that's with Jen. Yeah, there are two I6s, and it's flown by Lukasz Galanka of, uh, of 5A Wing Fame. Right. I, even still, I mean, just because it's I6s, though, like, I mean, he, I mean, granted, he's got the ensnare, but um, I don't know. Do you think uh, Sunfak might be playable? I mean, he even made top four. I mean, he finished second. He finished second in Swiss. Right. Um, or, or do you think this is one of those things where it's just, the, you know, the person playing the game knows what they're doing a lot? Like, I think it might be the person playing. It seems like in a generic heavy meta, there's going to be lots of arcs. And then for Sunfac, it's, it's just hard to avoid that many. Sure. Arcs from, like, um, like, Defender, uh, Kashyyyk Defenders, or Techno Union Bombers, or Sikhs, or Scimitar Squadrons, or Bombers. There really weren't that many high, uh, high ship count lists, though. Um, I think there were, like, nine or ten in the entire event. Uh, so, I mean, it was actually a, a much lower count meta than everyone, uh, was, you know, talking about. So, it, it could have just been a really good call bringing, you know, those two ships. And there's actually a lot of two-ship lists throughout this entire thing. Right, and uh, so the other thing, my other question is, is Django Fett. Um, yeah, granted, he's I-6, but I mean, like, everyone in testing is kind of like, oh, he dies, you know, he's not Boba Fett. But uh, here he is. And two ships that I kind of, like, expected, like... To not fall by the wayside, but like not really perform that well, and I'm now I'm a little bit curious to see if I need to you know recheck myself if I I should really be looking into these um, ships to see if they are that viable or if um, Lukash is just that good of a player that can pull that off and, and like false transponder codes I think that's that's a good one um, yeah so I mean Django there were nine of them and I think four might have made the cut. I don't know, there were four in the top 20. So, I mean, it, he he seemed to uh, to be performing pretty well. Now, I mean, the, the lowest one was all the way down, like, at 64th. So, uh, it, it maybe isn't, like, just a, you know, bring-and-win type list. But um, it, it was... I was surprised to see Django Fett in both the top two highest Swiss lists, for sure. Yeah. 
definitely. Um, but overall, I, I think we have like a very good spread of factions. Like you, you just look down the list, and like you can definitely see every single faction represented in the top. Um, even in the top cut, like uh, everything looks like it's pretty spread out. Um, this list, uh, I think I called this was Torkoal with being back. Uh, so it was Torkoal, Zamwa, Soul, Moldy Crow, Jastero, Tarani, Kolda, Snapshot, R5TK, and Black Sun Enforcer. Uh, so I, I definitely think this is interesting. Brett, Brett had to walk me through this because I could not understand why you would ever take R5TK over. Let's say uh, the R5P8. So, Brett, take it. Go ahead. All right. Well, so first off, it's free. Uh, sure. And second off, right, Tarani's ability works anytime you perform an attack and there's an enemy ship in your bullseye. So, um, I, I heard Nichols talking about it, or I saw him talking about it somewhere. So, the way he actually uh, plays this is turn one, he will just lock a friendly ship with Tarani. And if there's ever a situation where Tarani ends up bumping someone or someone bumps into Tarani, they probably are in Tarani's bullseye. So he can then take a, a shot at a friendly ship and spend that target lock to mod the dice, you know, against him, right? Turn any hits and crits and try and get him into blanks or focuses and whatnot and get uh, Tarani's ability off uh, maybe an extra time or two uh, each game. And, uh, you know... At one point, that would probably be worth bringing to see if you can make that happen. And for free, it's like if you get it to go off one time in the tournament, you're so excited. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a really nice combo, um, I think. One thing you and I were, were going back and forth on is whether he could use Snapshot with R5TK to uh, attack a friendly ship. Um, R5TK says you can perform attacks against friendly ships. Snapshot is after an enemy ship moves. So I think what we ended up concluding was that you could use Snapshot in the engagement phase, probably, but you couldn't use it for a bonus attack. But either way, it's still kind of a, a cool ability to try and make Tarani even more dangerous. Right, and the thing, I think I'm trying to do the math on that, because you can't modify your dice when you use Snapshot, even in the engagement phase. And uh, I think it's probably just smarter to do the three days primary because I would say that three dice with negative mods are probably better than two dice with no mods if you're trying to blank out. Yeah, right. Two dice with no mods we know is just one. Um, and three dice with negative mods I would think would be... Maybe one? <laughs> yeah. I, I would think it would be worse than, than one even, but I, I don't know. I guess that's a weird way of looking at the math. Right. Uh, but then, you know, we got stuff like Inquisitor Foresight. We have a Han Solo Trick Shot, Jake Wedge. Um, we have IG88B and IG88D list, which is interesting. Uh, Django, Zam, Kashyyyk Defenders are still around. Uh, but like, like I said, you should definitely check out these results. And we see some familiar names out there. Um, and just look at the, the meta that we're in right now, if you can even call it that, with Polish Nationals. But zero you know. copies of Dedicated. Hmm. Zero. My new favorite card. Uh, no one played it. Jonathan, were you going to say something? Well, I was just looking at the stats for the tournament on Pink Brain Matter, mm -hmm. and they give like some interesting breakdowns. Like We're talking about how the squads were not as big as we expected, so the average list size was actually 3.6 ships, which feels like sort of more traditional. Uh, you know, um, how every faction was represented, except for First Order. There are only six First Order lists. Otherwise, all the factions had decent numbers. Um, Empire, uh, Republic, there are 15% of the lists were Republic, but only one made the cut, so Republic is underperforming. And you're right, Poland is strange. There were 21 Rebel lists, and there are four Janorses. That's a lot of Janors. <laughs> you can always count on Poland to, uh, bring the best lists. And then, um... Boba Fett, they, the Poles still play Boba Fett because there were 17 scum lists and eight of them had Boba Fett in it. 
Um, I know Zach's super low on Boba Fett right now, but uh, I don't know if everyone should be. He's still good. We just we don't know what his point cost should be until right. it shakes out. But he's still good. We just have to figure it out. Yeah. Okay, so do we want to anything else of Polish nationals? I, I, I will just say, Boba Fett didn't perform well, though. He may have been brought a, a decent number of times, but, I mean, the top result was only 26th place. And hey, most of these are right towards the bottom of the, the pack. Sure. For what that's worth. Yeah, I, I think another false transponder codes on Boba. Makes me think what I'm missing there. Um... I mean, maybe you just bring a cheap boba. Like, don't put anything on them. I, we're so, like, accustomed to... I know that sounds a little silly. But, you know, just having him there at 86 points, like, uh, is it worth bringing something like him and two, like, a f- old Tarok and something else? I don't know. 58 points left over there um yeah i mean maybe maybe this is the opportunity to just bring naked boba instead of having to uh build him up like everyone kind of has been doing uh like two ship boba lists and stuff um i don't know it'll be interesting or maybe he's just you know dead and we have to get his points adjusted without that crew slot on there all right so, Brett, did you think of your grab bag? Or should I go first? Uh, completely up to you, Andrew. Well, if you know what you're doing, do it. Alright, so... One thing I have dealt with a number of times throughout the, the years I've been playing is just getting completely burnt out on the game, generally because I am playing the same archetype over and over, and I get really bored with the type of playstyle. Like, so for a while, I was doing a bunch of CLT Jedi where I would never finish a game. Um, it was all basically getting to time. Um, and I got really discouraged at how the game was going. Um, so I I kind of try and always come up with ways to, to break out of that burnout cycle. Um, so one thing I like to do is I like to have someone else build a list for me. Um, and what I just try and, and do is not have to worry about, you know, optimization in any way. It's, it's just getting back to the basics or if I'm flying a lot of aces, um, and I want something different, I'll fly a swarm where I can focus on, uh, formations and blocking and again, just different types of skill sets. Uh, so I thought maybe it could be interesting to, to talk about what we all do, uh, when we're in that. Uh, situation because I'm sure it, I'm not unique in being burnt out at some point. So kind of like that time that we uh, let the listeners decide your list for the tournament. Yeah, right. Like I mean, it, it wasn't uh, you know a, a list that I absolutely loved, but it was actually really relaxing almost to to play a list. There was no pressure, right? Like if I completely sucked, I you know you guys might bust my balls a little bit, but I mean. I think I would, you know, it, it would be understandable. Hey, he didn't put this together. This was not optimized at all. So I could just really focus on the fun again instead of the competition. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I find this happens to me after about two to three months of solid competition. I really need some type of a break. And sometimes it's just I put X-Wing down for a month and I'll pick it back up again. But uh, I prefer to not do that because I, I do really enjoy this game. Um. So, so like, like, what do you guys do? Okay, so I think for myself, it's I I know I fall down this rabbit hole hard, but um, I okay. So for burnout, I think I switch factions like a lot, and like it's I, I will mostly like because like everyone should know that I play scum for the most part, but like every once in a while I will like switch it out, and I'll just be like, okay. Instead of grinding scum all day, I will switch up to Imperials and um, or Rebels. I, I would say they're probably the two that I play the most when I'm not playing scum. Um, but yeah, the, like 
kind of going off what you said because like i feel like no matter what you say like each faction probably has different archetypes and different ways that they uh perform with those archetypes like nothing in scum can kind of really compare to what vader and Suntir is so like it's always refreshing to put them on the table or uh the same thing with like nothing can really compare to what han and wedge is so i i'll, I'll try to like really kind of look at like what their strength points are and, and go that way um as far as like tournaments though like uh i think i might be almost like the opposite like when I get done playing a tournament, like, I always just am sitting there looking through all, like, the different feeds of when is the next tournament and, like, prepping um, what I want to do for the next one. Like, it's just maybe, like, a habit of mine. Like, I I, I get really, like, pumped up with it and, like, I, I go that route. So, like, I mean, I do get burnt out, like I said. It's... It, I will mostly stick with a list or like kind of like fine tinker that list for like a long time and like i will fly it for probably a good solid month or two before i'm bored with it and then i just completely reconstruct it from the ground up or a, a different list um and usually different archetypes so that's mostly what i do and i know i might be a rare breed when it comes to that um especially with how much in the height of x-wing um how much i was playing but uh, i can absolutely understand like just taking a break or anything like that but that's my take on that jonathan do you have anything on that um do you get burnout yeah i mean not so much now since um but like back in so I think I'd agree with you, Andrew, like when it's like when they're tournaments, I often am, I don't know, like I finish a tournament and then I'm excited for the next one. Right. Um, and it's, but sometimes in the past there have been like, like lull periods where, you know, I remember like back in first edition, like there were times like when, actually Jump Masters, when the, when the Jump Masters first came out, it was like, was not a fan then and but uh i think just taking a break sometimes you just need to take a break you know just like if you're playing all right so like on the computer i'm playing cyberpunk 2077 and sometimes i just need to rest my eyes and walk away from the computer right so sometimes you just need to take a break and then come back to the game you know energized recharged uh i have not really been actually i should say i have not played any online x-wing i just have not felt the itch to play tabletop simulator although i've looked at it but i have played some in i i've taught my my oldest son he can sort of play x-wing so we we've been playing and it's actually really kind of fun to get the ships on the table and move them around right so i I was gonna say that um like i know we've been in this for you know months now at this point um i'm sure we'll hit a year before we get things we get back to normal but if you're getting like burnt out on tabletop or tabletop simulator x-wing or vassal x-wing like put your ships on the table again like it, it might like give you that energy to like that you might have had before like teach someone new to play teach you know um teacher significant other teacher parents teacher you know children like just to actually see these physical things on the table again um you don't have to go out to the stores or anything but like just to actually be able to physically move them like i could imagine like that might be a nice refreshing take as opposed to clicking buttons all day uh which you know kind of takes away like as immersive as tabletop simulator is it's still you know, a computer simulation. So maybe like that would actually have some kind of effect for if you are experiencing online burnout. Yeah. Two other things I've done, um, just, I guess, away from, from playing X-Wing is, uh, I started painting ships again, like whenever I get burnout. Um, and then I get excited to put that list on the table. So that gets me back into it. Um, or just doing an alternative format, like aces high, or, you know, if you can get a cooperative thing going on, um, that could also be a nice way to to just like refresh which yeah 
I was going to say, uh, in playing with my son, I mean, he's, um, there's something about the enthusiasm that a new player brings, actually. Like, if you think about, like, when you're at the store and you're the grizzled veteran and then some new players come in, you know, and they're, like, you know, brand new. And there's just something about the enthusiasm of new players, which could be very energizing, I think. Man, it's funny that you say that because I literally, the guy I work with is a huge Star Wars fan and, like, never heard of X-Wing or anything like that. So, like, we were just talking to him one day and, like, went out to my car and grabbed him, like, some the cardboard templates and uh, a two TIE fighters and an X-Wing and, like, handed them off to him and was like, here, you know, try this at home. And, like, he's, like, super pumped to try it um, with his son. So, but, yeah, it, it definitely brings that enthusiasm. Um as opposed to like us who like are just grinding away at it, I guess. Yeah, like he wanted to. His favorite ship is this is really odd. It's the Republic Y Wing, and he wanted he played Oddball R two D two broadside. And I just let him put whatever he wants in a list, and then I make a list that's about half the size. Nice. And, um, he has fun. So. Um. But it's funny that you mentioned that, Brett, about trying different game modes. And I think that's going to be like kind of where my topic is going. Uh, so scouring through and doom scrolling different X-Wing Facebooks and Reddits and all these things. Uh, I've come across two different paths where one path was that competitive X-Wing isn't good for the game. Um and that people don't enjoy it, especially when it might overtake a community or something like that. And then I, the almost exact opposite path was that with AMG taking over, they're only going to make casual and different game modes and it's going to be bad for the game. And that it's, you know, not what people want. Where, um, which, I mean, obviously, balance is absolutely the key to the game like you know some people live and die for the competitive some people would probably rather just have like a theme of the um like a thematic thing going on as opposed to like optimized list to dumpster everything that comes across on them um but i wanted your guys kind of take on this that like where, where do you stand at like okay with amg like if they absolutely dumpster the competitive x-wing as we know it do you think that's going to destroy the game and or if they like as opposed to like let's say they just put new game modes and more narrative play and maybe like they don't have like a system opens or anything are you out of the game or are you still in um because like like granted we already know that dion said that if they don't do anything he would take over uh, for the most part of all that stuff. But, like, let's say they're not doing it. Like, what is your take on that? Like, on either end. Um, like, uh, I mean, obviously we don't really have an answer of them. Because um, FFG, I feel like, didn't really ever do, like, a, any kind of narrative or anything. So, like, are you excited for that? Or are you not excited for that? Um, or, like, what, what is your opinion on that? You're, you forget the assault on Imdar Alpha. Back in the old days, that is prior to my time. <laughs> so, so what, what? What exactly is that? So it was the so when the uh, when Wave Four of uh, first edition released, they had this release event called uh, Assault on Imdar Alpha, and if you, I could not attend, but like you would win like a ship, one of the unreleased ships, and then you had to like build a list. Uh, around that ship and then fly it like immediately and the ships were it was the Z-95 the E-Wing the Defender and the Phantom if I remember correctly so that was Wave uh, wave 4 of uh, first edition so that was a long time ago now was that like uh, has there anything been anything since then or um no not that I can think of Nothing, nothing official. Nothing right. sort of like um, trench runs or like um, stuff that the like the shuttle Tiberium does at like Gen Con. Sure. I think like the organized play. All right. So if you don't have organized play and it's just casual play, 
I mean, I think organized play really helps build community beyond the individual store level. Like it can knit, like when you have store championship season, it knits the the community of stores in a region together, if that makes sense. And yeah. then when you have regionals, it brings people across a region. You know, if there's no competitive play, the game might still do fine, but then there's no sense of national community, you know? Or like, so, I, which I think is important. Yeah, no, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I'm me personally. I'm fully anticipating uh, AMG to continue the competitive play. Um, n- now, okay, but the opposite end of that, um, like store championships and that regional level of play. Like uh, you know, we have players that might not be as competitive or anything like that and and they might get scared away from like people that like are like i don't think there is a right or wrong like i think some people are overly competitive and that's okay but i also um understand that you know some people might not be on that level and it might scare people away so my anticipation is that let's say ffg or not ffg amg does take over and do more of a um like narrative or something like that where like or like some kind of co-op that they introduce it, it might appeal to those people more and um you know it, it prevents someone from like making this like broken list and just dumpstering a bunch of people at you know a local kit tournament yeah so my experience um it, when I started playing there was a, a decent community near me and but but the people were not very competitive. Uh, it was really a lot of more casual people. Uh, when I started, I, I fit into that group, but then I really got into this and I got more competitive. And we ended up getting like a, a group of three or four more competitive people in my area. And because we were really the the, the dominant force, we actually kind of ended up killing the entire community, uh, right? Because they just want to come and they want to fly there, you know they're named X-Wing pilots and feel like they're in Star Wars and were, you know, trying to get ready to go to regionals or something like that. Um, if there had been something like we we're expecting from AMG, uh, I think it would have allowed those people, you know, to, to still play on a regular basis and they would still probably be members of the community now where at this point now there's almost no community from where I am. There's, there's you know, just few competitive people and we have to travel uh you know at least an hour anytime we want to go anywhere um so uh as somebody who has helped destroy a community um i am very sensitive i guess to this topic uh with that being said i would be really disappointed if they just completely got rid of organized play as we know it um you know i don't i think that one of my least favorite parts of second edition was the uh, like oversaturation of regional level events. Uh, you know, it, it got to the point where, you know, there were hyperspaces almost every single week. Uh, it kind of became less exciting to go to a, you know, a regional because they were all over the place and it kind of just became glorified store championships. It felt like, yeah. Uh, where beforehand, like, I, I remember there was a regional in Massachusetts. I mean, people from, you know, four or five hours away are driving into this thing. There's 160 people at, at you know, this this event that was the same level as things where, you know, some places had 14 people in second edition. Uh, so I think that scarcity of the big events would help uh, and then have more casual game types to, to help foster the community growth. That's what I would love. No, I, I get that 100%, and um, uh, I'm not surprised that Brett helped kill a community. I, I, I knew. <laughs> I was like, as I'm talking, I'm like, why am I saying this? Like, just shut, just uh, shut up. If only, but, if only Zach was here to uh, help. I don't think I would have said it if Zach was here. Um, no, no, but I, I absolutely get that. And, like, when I jumped into this community, I, I definitely played at a store that... Um, that had some more competitive players. It also had a lot more casual players. And, like, I, I, I see what you were saying was, um, like, there was some times that, like, I 
would jump into the competitive scene and I you know might not have understood that people didn't want that with their game night um so I think it's very good to have both like I would love to just like you know I mean have a night where you know you are required to bring a certain power level of a list like as opposed to um bringing like the best list that you absolutely can so it would be really cool to see that organized play pop up um but like i said in the end it really does come down to balance i I do agree with you brett that um the oversaturation might be a problem but I, i think i also know that a lot of people might have never have driven, you know, four hours to go to a regional as opposed to them now getting to experience it on a level that they never did before. So I mean, there is that. Even though there was uh, um, a lot more of them, they probably saw a lot more play of people that never got to do that before, um, attending those, those events for the first time. Um, but yeah, like like I said, in, in the end, it all really comes down to balance. And I hope that AMG does get this right in the end. Um, I'd love to see both communities thrive. And it's it's hard to um, it, it not balance it, but it's hard to have both of those communities thriving at the same time. Um, if you have like in in a like you know. 20 things where like if you like granted we can say okay well there's hyperspace and extend it now but i mean if there's like people there that say i want to play you know the thematic events or whatever they want to call it then you know that's that's something completely different because then that could be something of you know you're you're not going to go to a game night and, and absolutely get trounced on someone um that is sitting there practicing for a regional or something like that. And, like, maybe FFG tried by making those theme battles in their app that, you know, was... But, I mean, they they never supported it. I mean, they just listed ships and was like, okay, you, you guys figure it out from this point on. Yeah, and it, it was still, like, the same format, right? It was still just a deathmatch format, just right. with more restrictions. Right, it wasn't like, oh, bomb, you know, Nabu or something. It was like... So, hopefully. Good. I mean, like, OP in 2nd Edition has gotten undergone a lot of changes. If you remember, what were they called? The Wave Kits? What they were originally called? Yes, which I, with, I actually thought were cool. <laughs> well, it came with a lot of different stuff or lots of different things. But sometimes, maybe it was, like, there was and stuff for, what, like, quick build tournaments. So, there was a casual format would be quick build tournaments. But, um, I don't know. I think... People are going to play the game. They want to play it. And, I mean, FFG or AMG, uh, you can't control people from, you know, people are going to bring, like, all Nantexes and play them against, like, like someone who's coming in playing their very first game. There's nothing that the company can do to control people who want to play that way. Yeah. Other I... than just encouraging. A lo- it's more, like, up to the local community to be like, hey when you bring your tournament list, also bring, like, your, you know, Garvin, Jack, uh, who else, Levin, Tenza, and Colby Sparato list. Right. You know, to pull out and... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, and, like, Grant, I, I know it, this happened, like, before the very first PAX Unplugged, and we had a new guy come into Top Deck that, like, and, like, there was probably about, like, 15 or 20 of us there, like, literally, like, sitting there testing list out and like just coincidentally he came in on his very first night to ever come and play an x-wing game um but like everyone's sitting there playing um like these tournament lists so i mean he might have got scared a uh, a little bit away from that but um it really kind of relies on the community because like i I remember playing him and like I, i basically threw out like all the upgrades on my list and just ran it that way to see how um it would perform that way, so... But, yeah, I agree 100% on the community with that. Uh, so, one thing I think that was being done that could really work with the whole narrative play, uh, organized play combination, is the prize walls at like that they had at Worlds and that the system opens. 
uh, right where you can go and just play in these more casual events and still walk away with some of the same uh, cool stuff that the you know the more competitive players are trying to win. Um, so I I think it would be a an easy way for them to just add some of those more casual events. Yeah, yeah, that that is a big thing because I think the in the end, um, uh, even though a lot of the competitive players are there for the acrylic crack and that's what they want to do. Um, they, they want those special prizes or, you know, the fame and glory of winning a tournament, I guess. But, uh, yeah, if there's more than one way, a path to, uh, doing that. I mean, I'm not even thinking of like the big level tournaments, but maybe just like the, uh, in store tournaments, it would be hard to do prize walls. And also, the communities are not mutually exclusive, right? Like you're saying, you know, the more competitive players, well, when we're at Worlds and we're all playing in Aces High, right, it's all competitive people, and we were all having as much fun as we've ever had playing X-Wing in just a super casual format. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's, like, that's where I, I think they have the opportunity to shine right now is that if they can kind of pull it off that, they can reduce um, the game, just like boil it down to like a point that like there there is no list building involved or anything like that. Even with the quick builds, I thought they they were a little bit to the point that uh you know if you have the option, you take the best quick build. Where I think with if they can figure out a way that you boil it down to either you do some kind of co-op where you're not playing against each other but playing with each other or you're putting it to a point that there is no uh like it's literally just maybe like skill based or, or uh more of a randomness i think they could really like shine with the game as opposed to the whole competitive um now like i said i mean i know brett you and i like we sit there and live and breathe and drink the competitive play so uh we're in it to win it, but I, I think to really grow a community, if you have both those options, um, to limit something that like we would want to bring to something like that kind of tournament, then I, I think that is a absolutely right direction for the game to go in. So what I'm hearing is alternative formats, yay. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Correct. But like I said, I, I don't think I, I don't think you can just completely axe the 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 formats that we have now. Yeah, agreed. That would really take away a lot of people's interest, specifically in traveling, I guess. Alright, that's my grab bag. Jonathan, do you have anything you want to talk about? Uh not particularly. I mean, I guess there's um, not X-Wing related directly, but um, there's a lot of new Star Wars news about new Star Wars media coming out, and I thought it was pretty exciting. Uh, Rogue Squadron! Woo! Yeah, so the, if people didn't know that they Disney, at like an investor call, announced a whole slate of not just Star Wars, but Marvel and like Disney animated and like their whole, like all their media that's coming out. But Star Wars related, yes. Uh, what Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman fame is director is going to be directing a Rogue Squadron movie that'll be out in twenty twenty three, and then you know, which sounds like it'll be a great movie and or it has a lot of potential. Um, on her Twitter, she has a a little teaser video where it shows her climbing into an or walking towards an X wing wearing a X wing pilot flight suit. And, uh, of course, every time I think of Star Wars media, I always immediately think of what it means for the game and, like, potential new pilots. And I think if you can generate excitement in the greater Star Wars fandom, it's good for all Star Wars minis games. Like, back when The Force Awakens... Back in first edition, when the For there was the original corset, then they made a Force Awakens corset, and that brought in a lot of players when The Force Awakens came out. You know, people went to... And this might sound, I remember I went, I was at Target with, who was I with? I was with, I think Zach was there and uh, Rob. And we were, and maybe some others, and we went to Target at midnight when they released all the Star Wars toys to pick up copies of the Force Awakened uh, corset. Yeah, I remember getting those corsets for clearance. I bought maybe like five of them. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I have that same mindset too. I'm always kind of like, it, which is a shame we haven't seen anything from the Mandalorian yet. Uh, but I, I definitely have that same mindset too. Whenever I uh, see a movie or a new show, I'm always looking for like the new ships or you know pilots that can actually be translated into the game. Um, so I am excited for that. I'm excited for the Willow reboot. And then there's going to be um, so that's a great source of content for Rebel Imperial. You know, I don't know the exact time frame, but it's like. But she's climbing, she's walking, it's a T-65 X-Wing that's modeled. And then there's going to be the new show, there's the two shows that are tied in with The Mandalorian. The Rangers of the New Republic and the Ahsoka Tano show. Right. Yeah. Which, so, lots of, sorry, go ahead. No, no, what I was going to say was, um, it, so we have a lot of these new shows coming. And, and I'm curious if, uh, so like, if I remember right... I think it was like the Obi Wan show and the Cassian Andor show has they had they they were announced a long time ago or like they were spoiled yeah. I should say a long time ago but we also know that they weren't going to be full on series they were going to kind of be like limited series uh, I'm curious how many of these are actually going to be like limited series or if they're um, a lot of them are going to like maybe like the name ones will just be limited series and then uh, go from there. Yeah. I don't picture them making like five seasons of Ahsoka. You know? Right. It feels like there's going to be a story arc and whether that takes one or two or three seasons and then it will be done, you know? Right, right. And I'm also curious so, if a lot of these are going to be animated or, I mean, obviously not the Ahsoka one or that, but like maybe like the Rangers. They say, um, so the Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka, they take place at the same time as the Mandalorian, and they do did say, like, there will be some culmination in a event. Okay. So it might be, like, um, you know, separate Avengers movies leading to, like... That, um, that was going to be my next, like, thought process was made. What if, like... I mean, looking back at, like, all the Marvel movies and, like, after watching the post credits and, and like everything kind of looks like links up in the end, uh, I'm curious if like that worked out so well for uh, like the Avengers and like Endgame and everything that if that's going to be the direction that they take with this, that like yeah. everything is going to just kind of basically turn into like no, I, I want to say Rogue Squadron, but if all of this kind of turns into the new direction that uh. Disney takes the movies into. I mean, they did not um, tellingly like I was listening to a not a Star Wars podcast that was non X Wing related, and they were talking about the investor call, and they did not they specifically didn't talk about season three of The Mandalorian. Um, we just sort of, but you could imagine a situation where the Mandalorian storyline continues in another series. Uh, you could like we have I, no idea what's going to happen here. I thought they announced the release date for The Mandalorian Season 3. Did they? Right. Yeah, it, I think it comes out on Christmas next year. Okay, it could be. I, obviously, I'm wrong. Then. Yeah, I'd be sad if that didn't start a new season. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, what I meant was, like, maybe, you know, Mando. Like, it's maybe, like, in they're confronting the empire or imperial remnant or the beginning of the first order and they do it in the rangers of the new republic and then down the road they go back to the mandalorian because it sounds like they'll be they might be interweaving the various series right right now as far as we know there's no first order or resistance shows that are lining up with these uh, so one thing I heard actually is that Rogue Squadron is not the Rogue Squadron I grew up, and I'm sure a lot of other people grew up reading, but is instead uh, something that takes place after Rise of Skywalker. Okay. So it might fit in with that timeline. That that would be interesting. Just I, I mean I I know the new trilogy gets a lot of sl uh, flack. Um, I I used it right there, um, but I I don't hate it. Like I mean, like and I think it would be sad if they completely killed that you know timeline. Um, I, I would hope that like in the, like they actually, I wouldn't say fix it, but 
But then again, we're talking about Disney and they are here to make money. So if it's not making money, why continue doing it, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, if it seems unlikely that Finn or Ray or Poe are coming back sure. for anything, so then what what stories are there to tell or what characters are there to like follow well, and yeah right uh, but, but maybe that's the point i'm kind of making is like um we don't know and, and like maybe they have the opportunity to really kind of expand on that timeline uh, like and make people enjoy that timeline more than you know maybe maybe that was the problem was you know ray and poe and finn and all the original trilogy people dying and um but like maybe there is something out there that they could just like tap into to be like okay this we can make a hell of a story out of this timeline and maybe that will make people appreciate this uh the sequel trilogy a little bit better like think of the uh the prequel trilogy right i mean 20 years ago it was garbage everyone you know just absolutely hated it and then the clone wars tv show came out and then rebels came out and i i don't know about you but it seems like that trilogy is more popular than ever by a significant amount right now like people seem to really enjoy it thanks to what was done afterwards to rehabilitate it says mr i only fly jedi <laughs> yep. No, that's that's fair. You know, but I mean, like, okay, I 100% get what you're saying. I mean, I am personally am not a fan of that um, that timeline. Uh, I'm not really excited about the High Republic show. Um, they announced one of that, right? Um, it might be anim. Is it animated? I think so. Yeah. Um, but like, and that's just a personal preference. Like, I mean, I don't. Um, I enjoy the universe, but I don't know if I enjoy Jedi is like the thing. So um, when you get into those kind of archetypes, uh, again, it's just, you know, my personal preference. But I mean, I get exactly what you're saying, Brett, is that, you know, nobody likes the prequel movies. Maybe it's the movies that are all wrong. And that's why they're making all these shows I mean, I, I've i always thought that TV was a much better storytelling, uh, like, mechanism right. or medium. So I I could definitely see that being part of the the issue. It's, it's tough to build off something as great as Star Wars in, you know, a three-hour movie that comes out once every two or three years. Right. And, I, I mean, in the end, like I said, I'm super high on on seeing all the new ships um i forget where i heard this or read this but like i i want to say it might have been um john favreau with the um mandalorian but he he was saying that he was kind of like envisioning um george lucas's like leadership of trying to find like new new uh, places to explore and kind of go down that route as opposed to really and i could be pulling this completely out of my ass and not remembering this right but like i i know george lucas kind of always wanted to make sure there was something new and like even like looking back at the original trilogy there was always something in each of those episodes there was new ships there was new planets there was always something new so like i'm excited to see if if really going down these uh this rabbit hole if we get to experience that of instead of seeing the new or the old stuff in just new iterations if we really get to start seeing stuff that is new um and really like like whether it be new planets new ships new anything that we can get as opposed to just here's a new (laughs) x-wing or tatooine again right Oh my god, no more Tatooine, please. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Tatooine in uh, Obi-Wan. Yes. <laughs> it's just uh, Obi-Wan walking around a desert for four episodes. Well, you know, uh, oh, so Brett, you're totally right. They did. There is season three of The Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, I misheard or was misinformed. The But, you know, so Hayden Christensen is going to be Darth Vader in the <sighs> Obi-Wan series. So presumably Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine and encounters Vader somewhere else. Otherwise, I mean, you would think that Vader would be very suspicious if Obi-Wan was, like, living on his home planet. 
See, that's another situation of someone totally rehabilitated, right? Like, ten years ago, if you were like, oh, and Christensen's coming back to Star Wars, the, the fan base would have just rebelled, and now everyone's so excited about it. I mean, is he really, is it him actually going to have a role, or is it just going to be him behind a uh, Darth Vader mask and, you know, oh, well, it's Hayden Christensen, but, um, you know... Is what's his face still gonna voice him? Like James L. Jones. James Earl Jones. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I read something about James L. Jones saying that he was giving up the role. But no, I did not. I made that up. Uh, it was something completely different. Um, man, James L. Jones is ninety, or he's eighty-nine. Well, yeah, every every time there's a new Star Wars thing with Darth Vader, I'm always like, God, I hope they already got his lines oh, like recorded. I'm just goodness. like. I, I can't picture anyone else doing that voice. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, as far as Hayden Christensen, uh, that was a little bit of a concern. Like, maybe they were just doing it to be like, here you go, you know, you, you are Darth Vader again, but is it, you know, could they just throw anyone behind that, um, you know, mask? Here you go, sorry we ruined your career. <laughs> sorry we CGI'd you into the uh, Return of the Jedi and... Uh, Right. All right, so I have I have a very serious question. Okay. In the Lando show, mm-hmm. do you want it to be Billy D. Williams or do you want it to be Donald Glover? It's it's Donald Glover. They already said that. Are you when I I saw that they hadn't announced anyone. I'm ninety percent sure that they said uh, Lando was going to be Donald Glover. I would want Donald Glover. I yeah, mean, I like Billy D. But he, yeah, but no, yeah, Donald Glover. I also would want Donald Glover. I just thought that that would be a more controversial take by me. So, moving on. No, like, because what, like, you, would you have, like, 70-year-old Lando? What would he be doing? I mean, I, th- I think young Lando, before he becomes a good guy, you know. When One thing I heard that, shady, that, that could be kind of cool is you have Billy D. Williams, like, starting out by telling the stories, and then the whole stories are flashbacks with Donald Glover. I could... I could kind of oh, get yeah. into that, but uh, especially just because Donald Glover did such a, a great performance that, like, you know, the the voice, the pacing, it it all just fits so perfectly. I think they'd really be able to pull it off. You know, I just saw Solo again. I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, and it was a lot better than I remembered it being. It's it's actually a really fun yeah. movie. I always enjoyed it. It's yeah, that's that's my take on it too. It's a fun movie. Yeah, I don't know why, like, when it first came out, I was not into it, and maybe it was, like, the press or something, but then I watched it again. Um, my son wanted to watch it. He'd never seen it, and then he really enjoyed it, and I was like, this is actually pretty decent. Um, so, for the record, there is no news on who will be playing Lando. So, Andrew, so Donald, fake news. Donald Glover tweeted on November 6th saying, there's a lot of magic coming. Y'all thought I was hot in 2018. I'm like 90% sure I read somewhere that he was uh, already cast for the show. But, I mean, if we'll see. I'll put money on it. I mean, I, I think that's the most likely, so I'm not going to bet against what I want to see happen. And then you see Billy D. Williams, and then I lose all my money. All my credits. Um... Yeah, it's it's a lot that is coming out. I mean, like it really. I think they hit right on the mark that they needed to with this. Um, breaking topic a little bit. Like I don't, I didn't feel as excited with a lot of the Marvel stuff that was coming to uh, Disney Plus. Where this stuff, I'm kind of like, yes, I am excited for this. I worry that it might be a quantity over quality issue. I, I was very surprised that there were ten things. Like we all, you know, heard the days leading up, like there's going to be a significant Star Wars announcement. Uh, I was certainly not expecting ten projects to be announced. Um, yeah, you I, probably also got to think this is probably. I know this. A lot of it's coming out like sooner than later, but this problem might go over like six years, like if not more, like. 
I, I would imagine that a lot of this we're not going to see like for a while. Yeah, and it, it, that could easily be it, right? But it was it was really surprising to see that there was this much stuff, uh, especially after you know I think there had was a pretty clear Star Wars burnout between uh, you know the sequel trilogy and Rogue One and Solo coming out just in such a short time frame. Um, I, you know, sure. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that that there was a lot of Star Wars burnout there. So I was just surprised to see them just be like, "All right, let's do it again." Right. Okay. So like, and, and it's funny that like I, I say this because like uh, everyone that I kind of talk to, like the beginning series half of the Mandalorian, um, I, I get a lot of reviews of being like, "It's not a good show." Um, like it's a fun show, but like it's. You know, and I'm sorry if I'm, you know, harshing anyone's mellow by saying this. But, like, it, a lot of people kind of, like, were just saying, like, there, there's no direction of the show. It's always the boss monster of the week. Um, now, granted, I'm not going to spoil anything. And the show has definitely taken a turn in the second half of this uh, series uh, season. So, um, but I think... Disney's kind of hitting it on the head with um, the streaming platform. And, and I think this was the way that they, you know, they, they said that, like, it's basically the Mandalorian streaming platform. It's not, like, really Disney Plus because that's, like, what most people watch on there. Um, so, like, maybe that is the way that they're going to make the money from the streaming platform is they can't really have like just the Mandalorian rely on that for constantly. But if they really kind of like pump it up, then, you know, people are going to keep the subscription as opposed to canceling the subscriptions and then just re upping it for when the Mandalorian comes back out. Yeah. I think the storytelling style of the Mandalorian, especially in the first season, was the deliberate choice, like a serial format. I think we're very used to like sort of modern prestige television, sort of, you know, HBO format of like interconnected stories from episode to episode. Right. To episode. And I think that John Favreau's decision in the or in Filoni is it was deliberate. Um yeah, I'm I'm not gonna say that it wasn't deliberate, but I mean do you would you think that is the right decision? I mean, like, I we were all hooked on Game of Thrones. We were all and, and like a lot of it's like you know the cliffhangers and everything like that because we're suckers for it. But I mean, it, and again, like I, I have a lot of fun watching The Mandalorian, but there's always that something that was lacking. And, and like I said, it has taken a change a turn, but um, it's really hard. I mean, I think um, it's hard to. Okay, Game of Thrones. I really do like Game of Thrones. Um, no comment on the last season. The, <laughs> um, but it's really impossible to like just step into Game of Thrones in the middle of season four or something and to watch it at all, you know? Whereas in The Mandalorian, at least in the first season, it's very accessible. Like, oh, there's this guy, he's doing this thing. I mean, sure, there's this backstory, but I, what surprised me was how short the episodes were I, I thought they would all be like that some of those first season episodes were 30 minutes long uh that's yeah some of the second ones have been kind of short yeah. their second season's been short too it's that is surprising um andrew i think when you said like you're having fun watching it i really think that's honestly just the most important thing is they just need to make it fun like star wars doesn't have to be high cinema does not have to to be a thinking man's game it just really needs to be fun well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, okay, so, like, I had fun watching Solo. I had fun watching, um, something like the, uh, the last movie, whatever the heck it was called, the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Um, but, like, when, when I'm watching The Mandalorian, like, I, I have fun watching the episodes, but there's always that something that's missing. And, and I think it is that, you know, continuity of the season to be like it wraps up or the entire build up and then it wraps up in that you know last episodes and then leaves me being like oh well now i need the next season even though i have to wait an entire year for it um it, it just it, it okay so 
the way I watch The Mandalorian is I watch it when I can. Like, I, I'm never sitting there waiting for the episode to be released. Like, which, if you do, that's fine. But, like, if... Maybe it's just the formula that I don't enjoy. And that could just be a personal preference. Where, like, uh, when something like Game of Thrones came out, like, you bet your ass I was sitting down there at 9 o'clock at night being like... I need this on now. So, um, and like I said, that that's just my personal preference of it. Yeah, this does seem less like appointment television. Like, I usually watch it Friday evenings because I'm in a couple of chats where uh, if I don't watch it by Friday evening, they're going to just talk about it anyway. Um, but Game of Thrones, I agree, right? Like, 9 o'clock came around, like, I, I was on HBO refreshing to uh, to start the stream. Um, but I also think that part of that was that, uh, it came out on Sundays, right? So I was going to be at work the next day and people were going to talk about it where this comes out on Fridays. So, you know, a lot of people are not staying up till 3am to watch it. Uh, and basically you have the whole weekend to watch it before you're going to be with a a group of people who are going to talk about it. Right. Just from like a logistic standpoint. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. I think one good piece of advice is lock up a long-term subscription to Disney Plus because it's going to start skyrocketing in price soon. Oh, yeah, it's already going up in price, isn't it? I, I think so. Um, and I, I think I read that they were going to be spending like $14 billion on these shows. Right, like, that's that's one of the other things. Is like, um, and, like, Grin, I, I know they... they did this with the Mandalorian where like hey they kind of reduced a lot of the CGI that they use and just did actual props and uh, I think from a film standpoint I, I think people enjoy that a little bit more than uh just constant CGI but um yeah I wouldn't be surprised if these shows end up being one of like the most expensive television shows um to be made I mean going off of Game of Thrones again I I think what it's the the Battle of the Bastards is like the most expensive show right now, or episode, or it might be the the night when they fight the Night Watch. If you haven't seen Game the of Thrones, yeah. yeah, that might be the expensive. Or the White Walker is coming to Winterfell. Spoiler. Right, spoiler. Wait, can we talk about Game of Thrones? Sure. Do you think the freaking no. books will ever get finished? No. I've been waiting. Yeah, I read the first book in like 1993, and I've been waiting. <laughs> you will be waiting forever. Um, my 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 only comment on Game of Thrones was I felt like that last season was three seasons crammed into one season that was yes. shortened. Yes, they should never I'm, have ended on the season that they ended on. Not they gonna say just... it was a bad season, uh, or like as far as story goes, or how they ended it. That was their choice. Um, but it was just way too crammed in. I mean, I think we we can talk spoilers, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. If you haven't seen yeah. Game of Thrones by now. No, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, the seeds were there the whole time of the like the Mad Queen theory. Right. It just she turned really quick. Right. <laughs> my my one of my biggest complaints about the show was that they gave an entire season to the sparrows and then they cut in like the siege of King's Landing and the invasion of the White Walkers and all that into one season, but you give the sparrows an entire season like uh, that yeah. struck a nerve. Um, yeah. okay. <laughs> we could sit here and talk Game of Thrones all day. Uh, but it is getting late. A- any final comments you guys want? Any Game of Thrones comments? Any uh, final things you want to talk about? Don't make the person who has the best stories the king. That's my comment. The best. And, then, oh, um, and there is going to be another movie directed by uh, Taika, Taika Waititi. Oh, he's so good. One of so my I think, f- most favorite. I, th- I think it will... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Jojo Rabbit is one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen that. You should absolutely go watch that right now. Right now? I will uh, load it up right now. I think it's on HBO. Um, okay, so that was our grab bag. Hope you guys had a nice little going into christmas break holiday break um hanukkah happy hanukkah if you guys are listening happy kwanzaa festivus whatever you celebrate left day left day 
Life Day. Life Day. Wookie Life Day. Wookie Life Day. Um, so, Happy New Year, I think. We... Wait, I have one thing to, to say. Okay. Sorry. Um, Max Brook, who was one of the developers on X-Wing, who is not with them anymore, um, has a blog like just talking about um, like game design and, and the, the way gamers think and approach things, and it's it's really good and really uh, fun to read. It's just at maxbrook.com. Um, and if you're not reading it yet, uh, he's got like two posts out. You really should. Uh, they're very insightful. Uh, yep. I, I definitely, I have not read the second article yet, but uh, definitely you should t- check that out. Um, but yeah, on that note, we are probably, uh, we, we kind of switched to a every other week uh, schedule with not knowing what's going to be happening with AMG and stuff like that. But we're also going to be taking a nice little holiday break just to uh, unwind from everything. And this is episode 99, so we don't, you know, our next episode is going to be episode 100. And we do have the something special in the works starting to be planned for that episode so when we get back i'm sure it's going to be a nice juicy episode so keep an eye out for that and um hopefully we have some information going into the uh, new year about the direction that x-wing is going to be headed so um again happy holidays happy new year i hope all is well everyone stay safe out there Make sure you are not... I know a lot of people have COVID fatigue. We are right around the bend, uh, you know, from what we're hearing. So, you know, make sure you are still playing it safe. I would hate to hear any bad news from anyone out in the community. Um, Any other final things you guys want to say? All right. Uh, So on that note, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great night.